0: Welcome to The Essential Rhythm, science-based, natural history, and human ecology of the North Atlantic seashore. This is episode 18, Seagull Population Trends. We've been talking about seagulls and their natural history for the past few episodes. And in the last episode, we looked at the question of whether or not gulls can be used as ecological indicator species, specifically as an early warning system about anthropogenic pollution in marine food webs. Seagulls can tell us a great deal about the environment, especially what we have been doing to it. Their population numbers have fluctuated widely in the time period since people have been tracking such things. If we look at their history here in the Gulf of Maine region, there's not much evidence of gulls in the pre-European colonization archaeological record, which is interpreted as meaning that gulls like the ubiquitous herring gull were not nearly as ubiquitous. Gulls are often referred to as top level predators in their ecosystems, but the reality is that while they may be the end of the line for many of the surface schooling fish and benthic invertebrates they feed on, they in turn are fed upon as well. Bald eagles readily prey upon gulls, both non-breeding adults and chicks in breeding colonies. Terrestrial predators like minks also readily prey on nesting birds. The explanation for why there were apparently so many fewer gulls in pre-European colonization times is that there were likely to have been more predators, more eagles and minks, specifically the larger-bodied sea mink, a now-extinct subspecies or separate species, similar to but larger than the mink that still lives here today. These predators could access nesting islands and keep gull populations in check in an example of top-down ecological pressure. After European colonization, sea minks were hunted to extinction, and bald eagle populations decreased due to habitat loss, hunting, and by the 20th century, chemical pollution. As their main predators disappeared, gulls may have begun increasing in population, just in time for humans to figure out that their eggs were tasty and their feathers extremely fashionable. Many of us know the story of gulls being hunted to near extinction near the end of the 19th century. After being afforded protection by the Migratory Bird Treaty Act of 1918, gull populations readily increased. Animal predation was low, human animal predation was illegal, and these cosmopolitan and human activity-tolerant birds, especially herring gulls, happily utilized our growing landfills as an alternative food source. They rebounded so successfully that in many communities, wildlife managers were granted permits to, quote, control herring gull populations that had gotten out of hand, according to these same wildlife managers. By the mid-20th century, these efforts at control had largely stopped, and herring gull populations, along with great black-backed gulls, began to grow in earnest. Periodic seabird survey data indicates that in the Gulf of Maine region, herring gull populations peaked in the 1970s and great blackback gulls in the 1990s. Both species have declined since then. These well-documented declines are worrying to scientists, who view these gulls as top ecosystem predators and generalist eaters, meaning they are good for assessing broad ecosystem change. What is changing in the Gulf of Maine ecosystem that is affecting these species? Are these large gulls the canaries in the coal mine for a bottom-up ecosystem level change in carrying capacity scientists aren't sure and think it may be a combination of factors both top down and bottom up pressure from the top includes the phenomenal success story of the rebound of bald eagle populations here in maine but just as they did in the past eagles readily prey on gulls bottom-up ecological pressure is harder to pin down But we've all heard the reports from the past decade of the rapidly changing conditions in the Gulf of Maine, water temperature, circulation, productivity, new species. These factors may be coming together in ways we don't yet fully understand to change the amount and quality of food available to gulls, especially during their nesting period. And closing the vast majority of open landfills in the state decreases anthropogenic trash as an alternative food source for better or worse. So whether the decline in gull populations is simply a rebalancing of an ecosystem disturbed by direct human impact, or a harbinger of the global change resulting from our widely distributed climate-disrupting carbon emissions, or both, we need to pay attention. The decline we are seeing now is from what may be an artificially high population level born of ecological disruption. Gulls are birds we look to to predict our future, and their message couldn't be clearer Restore some semblance of natural balance, bring back top-down ecological pressure on ourselves, and there will be less of us. Change the very caring capacity of the world we depend on, and there will be less of us. Gulls are smart and tenacious, just like us, and that gives me some hope. I'm looking forward to seeing what they, and we, do next. This has been episode 18 of The Essential Rhythm, written and produced by me, Sarah O'Malley. The theme music is Lightstream by the artist Sid Hartha, used by permission through Creative Commons. Thanks for listening and join us next week.